This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome, Bridgeway, here online as well. Welcome. Good to be with all of you today. As, uh, as Pastor Justin said, we're in the middle of our Revelation series, and we'll jump into that in just a minute. If you didn't know, Pastor Ron and his wife, Sean, are actually at an Ironman today. They're doing a half Ironman, both of them racing. Um, so we'll see who wins, okay? All bets are fair. But anyways, uh, Sean is actually training. She's getting ready for a full Ironman that she's going to do this fall. So they're out there doing that this weekend. We're excited. We're praying over um, them. Uh, they're probably out racing right now, actually. So excited for them, praying over them as they are. If you're new with us, like I said, we're in the book of Revelation. Pastor Ron, Pastor Justin have been sharing some great messages on that, pieces of which you might, um, I might reference today. And if you missed any of those, you can always jump back. You can catch those on our YouTube page, on our website, on our app um, at any time, or even listen to those via podcast as well. Today, though, we're going to be in Revelation 19 and 20. If you're newer to the Bible, um, there's, there's Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you that you can grab. If you didn't bring one, um, you can pull it up on your app, or we'll have it up on the screen as well. But if you're looking, it's going to be the last book of the Bible and just a couple chapters from the end. So it should be pretty uh, easier to find today. To get us ready for today, though, I decided to start with a, uh, a video about a dad stepping in in a big way in the life of his child, his daughter. So we're going to start off and just watch a quick video in Portuguese. All right, I don't know if you've seen that one before. Uh, it actually almost made me want to cry because I was like, holy cow, dad save moment, love it. Um, but the dad just comes in and I'm in a way at a, in a master chef in Brazil show. So if you didn't understand the Portuguese, you're with me. I didn't understand either. Um, maybe somebody did in the room. They can translate later. But anyways, I love that video. It's, a, it's an awesome video just about a dad stepping in in a big way. And it reminds me of our heavenly father. Who, God, who wants to step in in a huge way in our lives. And he knows we can get in a lot worse situations than a stuck jar, right? And in fact, without him, we are in a worse spot, an impossible spot. So I want to catch us up um, today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually catch this up from the beginning of the Bible because I think it's important to understand the big picture of what God is doing to catch us up and understand what's happening here in Revelation so I think this chapter, chapter 19, is a culmination. It's a buildup of the Bible to this point. In the beginning, you've got everything. It's created good by God. Mankind messes it up by choosing to rebel against God, choosing to grab the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to take it from in Adam and Eve's decision in the Garden of Eden. You have the whole time of Moses leading God's people, trying to follow laws, instituting laws, but continually failing. The books of the law written in part, so you might catch how impossible it is for us to live perfect 
and earn our way to God so we might all see our need for him. Then Jesus comes, after all of this, he comes and he fulfills the law, meets the righteous requirements of the law, and he pays the price for us because God loved us. And he set the church on its path, on its mission to make disciples. And in the New Testament, you see that. That's what's happening is that the church is going and they're making disciples. A recap of what's been happening in Revelations, uh, in, Re- in the book of Revelation, in the end, Satan and his minions, they've been here, and as good continues to grow, uh, evil does too. And Satan and his minions, they fight back, and they are holding on as much as they can to try and hold control of the earth. And last, last week, Pastor Ron shared how the final war will begin. said things like, Seven plagues are to come, and it's supposed to be a crazy, terrible time, and things like people will have sores all over their bodies, the seas will turn to blood, the the sun will scorch people with fire, and rivers will dry up. There's just crazy images, earthquake that will split the great city into three parts, a hundred-pound hail is going to fall, and people will curse God because of it. Babylon is going to come, not in, the, not in the same way, but Babylon will come and seduce the world and will kill God's holy people. To help us to get into this moment a little bit, if you've experienced some pain in your life, especially pain that maybe has lasted a little bit longer, think back to that for a moment, but only to the part of how much you wanted out of it. If you lived under narcissism or tyrannical time or leader, it's those longings of freedom that I suspect will we'll be in, especially for those who don't bow down to the beast and the false prophet. Now to the book of Revelation chapter 19 and the promised long-awaited return of the king. As we read this, I want you to remember this is the type of writing this is. This is apocalyptic. It's strong imagery. So we'll use our imagination realizing this is symbolic to describe what is to come. Fair warning, though, as we start, the imagery here is not PG. It is violent. Um, so as, uh, we're going to jump in. We're going to be here in verse 11, in Revelation 19, 11. Uh, one thing to look for as we go through this, try and catch the names of Jesus that you see in here. We're just going to read five verses together. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and true. A little descriptor of Jesus. With justice he judges war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean, Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Is this the picture you had in your mind of Jesus, right? Nice Jesus, maybe sweet baby Jesus. This doesn't... This doesn't quite fit that picture, right? This is a very different picture. This is warrior 
Jesus. This is ready to avenge for you, Jesus. This is the justice that is long overdue, Jesus. We gather this as Jesus because, like I said, as I asked you to kind of pay attention to the names that we see, we start to see some right away. Faithful and true, describing Jesus. And don't you love that about him? That he is faithful and true? Meaning I can lean on him and know it's good. He's continually with us and for us. Right after this, as we're, we wear, uh, he wears many crowns, and I think this points ahead to a name that it says is on his leg and on his robe, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This name's been used for Jesus before. He is the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one over all. And then the one that's, um, the other one that's put in there is the name, Word of God. And this draws me back to John one, where John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's the Word of God. And every, even the name that no one knows, did you catch that one? The name that no one knows. I think this just implies that there's more about Jesus that we don't know. There's still more for us to learn and to know about him. And there are things that are mysterious about him still. I won't go through all the imagery here, but rather I want to I want to focus I want to focus today as we go through this passage. It's easy to kind of get stuck in the weeds and in the details of of the images here and um, get confused, but I want to focus on the big picture. Jesus is back. Right? Jesus is back. That's what, we're, that's what we're focusing on today. He's back with justice to wage war against evil. And how will he do it? In verse 15, if you still got your Bible there, it says, with the sword from his mouth. With the sword from his mouth. So it's not his hand. He's not coming like that way. He's coming to use his word. He is the word. And this shouldn't be surprising to us if we think about it like, Jesus was there at the beginning. He was the word. Creation was made through him. When he comes back, he uses his words again to teach people how to be like him and to prepare the church. He uses his words again. Even in the, even in the opportunity to overthrow Rome, he doesn't do that. He uses his words. And again here it says that he has a sword coming out of his mouth and imagery implying words. This is a picture of Jesus in power with authority. So let's see, let's see what Jesus does um, now that he's here in the, in, the, in the story we're in today. So we're going to skip ahead a couple verses to verse 19. It says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Like I said, some strong imagery here, right? Right? 
What I want to focus on here, so we have the beast that is talking about and the false prophet. They are destroyed. These aren't, we don't have like a, a perfect picture. It doesn't give us like a name or a specific person at this point that we know who they are. And Pastor Ron talked about that previously. But we do know that they are servants of the dragon, Satan. And the verse also says the false prophet points everyone to the beast using signs and wonders. This is what, what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about how all of these things, the beast, the false prophet, Babylon, the dragon, they're all counterfeits. They're all attempting to draw us away from what is pure and holy and good, and that is Jesus. So we come to this point, and we've got two down, right? Down with the beast, down with the false prophet. And I guess if you looked right before this chapter, it's actually down with Babylon already as well. So maybe it's three down. i got to learn how to count. Verse 21, though, it says, this is, verse 21 is what's coming for those who follow the beast. It's their coming destruction. The crazy part about this verse in verse 21 saying, the rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider and all the birds um, gorged themselves. It's a crazy image. It's a crazy destruction that's coming. And what we hear as well right before that is talking about the false prophet and how he's going to deceive us with signs and wonders. I just think it's crazy because, right, Jesus came and he performed signs and wonders. And what does the false prophet do? Hey, I have an idea. It's not original, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it and I'm going to twist it and I'm going to try and trick as many people as I can to follow something else. And that's what he does. But at this point, he's taken out and he's thrown aside. But this, this is just a reminder to me that we have to be on guard we have to be on guard now and in the end times because there are going to be things that are trying to look like Jesus but a counterfeit. They're trying to draw us away. As good grows, evil is going to grow light right along with it. Uh, Revelations, I'm sorry, in the book of Revelation, verse uh, chapter 2010, we're going to jump ahead a couple verses because I want to keep focusing on what's happening and what Jesus is doing. So we have Babylon down, the beast is down, the false prophet gone. And now we're going to read just this one verse. If I can flip the page, we will. To catch us up with what happens with the devil. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil is gone as well. And you can look right before this, the devil, if you read that, uh, the beginning of chapter 20, he comes and he, he wants to fight. And so he brings a battle. He brings all the people that are following him and he brings another battle or the same battle, it's argued that way. But he comes and he brings it and he's defeated. You guys, this is the picture we need to get from this. Jesus defeats all the enemies. There's, like I'm trying to think of anybody else that's left. You've got Babylon gone. You've got the beast gone. The false prophet is gone. The devil gone. And all of their followers gone. This is the long-awaited hope that we have been waiting for that he this is the hope this is the reason we can we can rest in him because we know God is making it right the evil that is that has ruled here 
will be gone, will be done with. He will avenge it. He will avenge us. He will avenge the evil that has come, that has wanted to destroy us, that has wanted to take you, and has done so many awful things here. Jesus defeats all the enemies. I keep coming back to that picture. We watched that video at the beginning, right? Where the dad is uh, rescuing his daughter in that moment to open the jar. And I, I know it's not the same picture as what we're talking about right now, but, but sometimes I think of God like this. See, I think of that dad, he's sitting in the crowd and, and, he's, and he sees what's happening. And he sees her stuck in that moment. It, it, I just think it's crazy because she's sitting there and she's like, no, no, I got this, Dad, I got this. And she goes back and she tries to get the jar again, right? She's like, I can get a knife. And I'm like, I'm having my scared dad moment there. I'm like, put the knife down. That's not how you open a jar, daughter. Like, that's not the way. Just hand it to me, right? And I kind of, I can identify with that because I'm a dad and, and my kids will do that. And they're like trying to open something. And I'm like, you're doing it the wrong way. Don't do that. No, don't listen to your brother. He's not telling you the right way either. That's the wrong way. Just give it to me. And that's the picture that I see with God that he wants to do too with us. Just give it to me. Just give it to me. Jesus is coming back to clear out all the enemies, to put all things right. This is worthy of worship. I'm fired up as I think about it because I just love this picture of Jesus. I love this hope that we have that he came back not only once to save us, to offer us an opportunity to be right with, Jesus, with God, but he comes back again to set it all straight. And it's awesome. Now for those of you that are uh, noticing which verses I skipped, I skipped a conversation about Jesus being king and reigning over the earth for a millennium. Well, now I didn't, but I did. Um, I jumped over it for simplicity. I, I want, but I want to say one thing about it. There's, there's a lot of very smart people who have written many books on the different views of the millennium reign of Jesus on the earth, and and there's different views. And I'll just talk briefly. So there's views of you know, is it going to be a thousand years literally, and then Jesus is coming back? Is it going to be, you know, is it actually where Jesus sent the church and the church is acting in that way kind of as a symbol, like it's the church and Jesus reigning now as a symbol and it's not literal? There's a lot of good, good thoughts, a lot of good writing on that. This church does not have something written in our constitution saying, hey, we go this way, that way, the other way. And I believe that there's a lot of mystery here. As Ron said in, uh, in our first first uh, message on this. There's a ton of mystery. And so I believe there's room for interpretation. I have a view, and maybe you do too, but, but I don't want it to detract from what the writer is trying to say. And in part, I think, that's, I think that way because Jesus, in part, has already answered this question to a point. See, his followers, when Jesus was here on earth, in Matthew 24, let me flip over there real quick. Matthew 24 uh, 24, verse 3, they ask him a question. They say, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? 
And he goes on and he gives them lots of, lots of good information, things to think about, things to be prepared about. But ultimately, he answers that question in verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows. No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. See, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Jesus said that, and so we know it's true. We don't know when he's coming back. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. What we do know is he's coming back, he's coming back as king, and he's going to reign, and we have to just rest and trust in that. So let's get back to warrior Jesus for a minute. Warrior Jesus, he's coming back, defeating the beast, the antichrist, the, the, the dragon, and all those who oppose him. This is the ultimate destruction of evil. It's not unwarranted or undeserved. I think sometimes I can read this and be like, oh, man, that sounds really harsh. But you guys, this isn't like it. This wasn't like an accident. They accidentally, whoops, I went against you, Jesus. Like this is like they were intending. This is earned. It's not anything but a choice by those rising up against him. Don't miss that. The judgment of evil is coming by the one and only king and judge, God the Almighty, is sending in the rider on the white horse and his army all dressed in white as well. I don't know if you caught that in those first verses. That's what it says, is the rider on the white horse and his army is all dressed in white as well. This is a picture because in the, um, in the times that they were in, if, if they went out and they had a battle and the king would come back, he would be riding his white war horse, wearing white, as a sign of victory. And so we have this even before he defeats the beast and the false prophet. His army is in white. He's in white. And the army is in white because of the good works. That's the symbol of that. That's the good works. It's the things that they're doing as they follow, as they follow Jesus. But they are coming in. They are conquering. They are triumphant. And it is good. This is how God plans to finally end evil. This is the ultimate dad save. Right? Not accidental, not coincidental, but intended out of his love for you using the word. At the end of chapter 20 of Revelation, the book of Revelation, there's a chunk there. I'm not going to read it right now, but if you jump in there, it's uh, verses 11 through 15. There's a chunk there that just talks about the judgment that's to come. And I don't want, I don't want us to, uh, to miss this point because sometimes I think if you read it and you skip those verses, you might think, okay, well, all I have to do is just be here and be human and I'm good. Like it's the false prophet that's gone. It's the beast that's gone. It's the devil that's gone. And, and that's not the case. There is a judgment coming. The king, we are all going to have a conversation with him. That we, that we go before him and we have a conversation of, of this life and whether or not I chose to follow him. And that day is also coming. And when I read all of this, it makes me, it makes me respond with two things. Gratefulness and urgency. And as I start to, to wrap up here, I'm going to have the, the worship team start making their way up here.
I'm grateful because of the mercy of God, right? He sends his son Jesus to the earth. Like I said earlier, he sends him to the earth to make it possible. I just think this is crazy. Think about this for a second. Jesus comes to earth to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him. On the chance that you might choose Jesus, that you might choose God, he sends his son to earth to pay the price. See, we still have to make a choice to follow him. He does that, and then he sends him a second time to wipe away all the evil, to avenge everything that's been wronged in your life, in my life, in the world at large, and the craziness of all the things that we see going on, to avenge it all, he sends them to take care of it, and he puts it all to rest. So I'm grateful, but also urgent, because we don't know the hour. We don't know the time of when he's coming back. And so we must move with purpose. We've got to move with purpose to let others know the great love of Jesus. To speak his words, to show his love, and to catch them. And catch them and to let them know as well. With that, let me, just, let me just pray over us and pray over the rest of our day. Thank you, God, so much just for sending Jesus. He died a horrific death to pay the price for my evil and all of our evil and fulfill the righteous requirement of the law because of your great love for us. In that same love sends Jesus again to deal the final blow, to put evil away forever. We're so grateful for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for coming, for being how God steps in and saves us when you first came, how God does away with evil as you come again. Thank you for being our perfect father. Help us to leave this place with urgency, to share your love like you love, to share your word that others may hear and be saved from the coming wrath as well. God, you are worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, and we, we celebrate your son, the rider on the white horse that is to come to make all things right as we anticipate what you want to do. God, I pray that you would continue to prepare us. Thank you for walking and being with us in it all. God, we worship you now. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide. 